Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Oh, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke. Don't do If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Well, I'm Rock Jackson. I'm Tim Arnett. We're on the board. S&P futures up 23. SAP futures up 114. This is we're trying to claw back from a big down day yesterday based on a well, coincidental with a uh, surprise bad read on inflation numbers, which, if anybody's living in this world, doesn't <laughs> certainly would realize what uh, you know that the inflation numbers, even the ones they published yesterday, are probably not the real story. But uh, anyway, do we have Mr. Kevin. Good morning. Um, here is a uh, quote you will remember: "Inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon." in a sense that it is and can be produced only by a more rapid increase in the quantity of money than an output. Then there's about 15 other people here saying that that's not true. You know what, Kevin, it's true. What can I tell you? Yes, it is true. Mil- uh, Uncle Milty had it right. Well, I shouldn't call him Uncle Milty because that's reserved for Milton Berle, so we'll just say uh, uh, Milton Friedman had it right. Yep, he did. And uh, But now everybody's trying to say that that's not the issue. I mean, I don't know. What is the point of trying to... Well, who, who is this? Who is everybody? Because I know a lot of people that blame it on the uh, amount of money that's been pumped into the economy. Well, there's uh, there's people who consider, consider it to be shocks or <coughs> supply shocks. Uh, who's the lady who wrote? She's in. Well, you, you do have the uh, um, candidate for Senate in California who is uh, advocating a fifty dollar an hour minimum wage. Um, I mean, she's serious. Uh, you know, she she. She uh, doubled down uh, on it uh, on the debate stage, and you know her logic is it is so expensive to live in San Francisco that you you know that that would be considered a living wage. I'm going to say that the only people who live in San Francisco somehow find a way to make fifty dollars an hour. Yeah, can you imagine if you had a minimum wage? What would a Big Mac cost? Um. <clears throat> well, I, I think Kevin, I don't know you. Uh, you didn't. You didn't take uh, labor economics from the coach, did you? I don't think you did. No. I think I was in there. With, I think I might have been in there with my our buddy Mike Murphy. I was in there with Dave Murphy. Um, labor labor economics is a <clears throat> pretty fascinating subject. Actually, I think I summed it up in the book. It's when you start talking about minimum wages. There, there's a market wage. Actually, a bunch of different market wages, but basically, there's a market wage for every level of whatever it is you're doing, skill set. And if the market wage is twelve fifty an hour and the minimum wage is eight, uh, minimum wage doesn't mean anything anyway, right? <clears throat> so you can be a, a magnanimous politician and say, I'm gonna raise the minimum wage from eight to ten, damn it, you know, we gotta have it up ten dollars an hour at least. Well everybody's already making more than that. 
So you can do that all you want up to 1250 to where you actually get close to the market wage, right? Because you don't you're not doing any good other than, except for yourself. By by aggrandizing it, you're going to get people paid more, even though they're already getting paid more. But if you say the minimum wage is going to be 20, well, okay, uh, it's it's a market wage for a reason. Now, it could be that you have a a decade or two of offshoring stuff to where the the people the labor people do not supply and demand for labor is the same thing as supply and demand for corn, right? A lot of people don't understand that. Same way it is for it's for uh, for money, um, for uh, for dollars. So you end up taking if if you end up uh, going way higher, you end up either either people don't get paid somehow figure out people out, figure out what to not pay them, or you end up demanding all kinds of uh, you know machinery, whatever it is. No nobody can pay somebody double or triple the going wage because it's a going wage for a reason. Because the person, when you're hiring people to do a job, if you have a you know all these machines that are dying to work, and you hire five people, you might get two hundred dollars an hour worth out of people. The idea is you keep hiring people to the what the hell was the formula, Kevin? It was the to the uh, marginal production of the last person. So the marginal uh, marginal revenue and the marginal cost equal. Right. So if all of a sudden the person is, is, is serving um, 50 cups of coffee an hour and you make 50 cents a cup, that's 25 hours, you sure as hell can't pay him 50, right? I mean, how can you? Yeah. So, you so you end up... Because, you, because then you start losing money. Yeah, and, and then you end up... It's not just... No, of course, there are areas where people are, are totally outraged, like me, to over a period of time because of the offshoring of, of uh, people and labor essentially being a downtrodden good for a while, in this man's opinion, you have, you have set up a situation where the, the higher-ups in a place get paid like 100 times more than the people that do, actually do the work in some areas, which is, which is obscene. But because it's been like that for so long, people think that that's, quote, normal. I, I don't think it's normal. So when you, when you have... Uh, you know, in terms of like a car, how many how many hours go into making a car? Like thirty five. And people say if you give those guys fifty bucks an hour, somehow an hour, that affects the price of the car. The car is eighty grand already, right? Or sixty. So I mean, some of it, some of it is almost laughable. But you are correct. You can't just say. Um, I did see one that I thought was kind of interesting, though, Kevin. Um, was it the Seattle airports? Of course, everybody who gets a deal at the airport, be it a bar or a cigar stand or cigar stand, show my age, magazine stand, you name it, those things are such... Of course, somebody's getting paid off to get them, right? I mean, it's a blanket statement. But by and large, let's just say you have to be connected to get one of those deals. I mean, you and I could not screw up a bar at Midway Airport. Could we? How could we? It would be hard. It would be very hard. So knowing how much those people make... What, what are they trying to do in Seattle? I said anybody who worked in this in the airport for any of these people had to make at least nineteen fifty an hour. Now I don't think you can do that to the city of Seattle. I'm not so sure you couldn't do it to the airport. The last thing you need, or the last thing some people would do, I mean you and I wouldn't do it, is they have this absolute golden egg dropped on us by the city. Of course we're we're having to give money back to somebody somehow. We all get that. To turn around and pay somebody 
eight bucks an hour, ten bucks an hour would be pretty bad, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, it, it would, but uh, but you're not going to pay that at the bar anyway. And the whole the 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 part that's always left out of minimum wage discussions is who works in those jobs in the first place, because minimum wage jobs are not intended to be what you know. Uh, um, a, a father of four is feeding the family or is using to feed the family or any any of those kinds of things minimum wage jobs are what um, you know the high school kids work they are what the um, what the uh, um, you know seniors who, who want to who want to get out of the house in the morning so they go work at the McDonald's breakfast shift um, and uh, you know it's I mean and, and they're supplementing uh, Social Security income that's you know that's your target for minimum wage. So I think the discussions around minimum wage tend to be stupid. I can't think of a better word to use right now, so I'll go with stupid. Um, whereas you know what you're what you just described, what you're discussing is you know this is the working adult type of uh, um, compensation, and that's a different animal and that's a different discussion. And I'm not saying it's not a worthwhile discussion because it really is, but um, but you know this all, all the talk around minimum wage makes no sense to me whatsoever well but but some when you have something that happened in the last 3 or 4 years even if people are legit um it's it's hard for them to keep up with even, with what just happened especially when you have a you know a government and I'm not talking about an administration cuz they've been doing it for a long time a government that, that it continually under under tells you what the inflation rate is. And if you if you go into again this this really nice uh, Thai restaurant that I and I go to all, go to all the time, um, and to talk with the the lady runs it and her husband, I think he does uh, some uh, remodeling and he's a remodeler, you know, builder. Anybody helps her, you know, it's crowded. Uh, he was telling me one night that they they lost their cook. This is like right when the COVID thing was in the middle. Uh, you know, and they their prices are very reasonable. I mean, the place is real nice. Uh, she gets all the stuff fresh every morning, the whole bit. I mean, I, I got no bitch at all with the place. And uh, so the guy's telling me we just lost our cook. And um, now they just raised their prices, let's say, two, three bucks a dinner, which, you know, still left them well within, you know, what I thought was okay. And uh, so now I'm, I'm thinking the cook with the carryout and everything, what do you figure, Kevin? 20, 25, 30 dinners an hour, maybe, if he's good? Somewhere in there. If it's not yeah, too big. And uh, it's okay. You just you just nudge the guy up, I mean, the, his production, 40 or 50 bucks an hour. And the guy, I said, well, I didn't want to ask him how much they're paying, but he volunteered. He goes, I just gave him a raise from 15 to 18. I'm <laughs> going, <laughs> I hope, hope you had your shirt buttoned so your heart didn't pop out of your chest. I mean, how do, how do you even equate those two things together? So does, for somebody to say, I had to raise prices because I had to ra- give the cook more salary, you already raised the prices. The other thing, Milton Friedman... Oh, sure, but that wasn't the only dynamic in there, too. It was the uh, you know, cost of goods sold, too. Right, to, but, but, but even so, right. I mean, what I'm saying is... The but 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 you're, yeah, but you're not talking minimum wage, Tom. And this is you know, so I'm just, yeah. So I'm saying I'm being narrowly focused on the minimum wage. Well, yeah, I'm saying and and I don't care. If, you know, I don't care if they raise it. Just don't raise it to fifteen bucks an hour. That the the woe is us um, scenario that you hear all the time is well, how is anybody expected to feed their family on seven twenty five an hour? They're not. 
Well, that's I, I, not get, who works those jobs. I think at this point, anybody who has somebody who's not giving you, let's put it this way, I think you should raise the minimum wage as high as you possibly can until you get to the market wage. How's that? Because then you do, it sounds like you're doing something for somebody when you're not doing anything well, bad. Well, the market wage, doesn't the market wage have something to do with your experience, too? Well, yeah, but I'm saying, if it, you, I, would, I would say, let's put it this way, you at least hope the minimum wage or the, the wage people are being paid, I'll put it that way, is enough to get you to work and back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you got no problem. Like I said, yeah. raise the minimum wage if you want. But, but you know, I, I, I just, you know, the politicians, uh, you know, getting real dramatic about it and talking about how you can't feed your family on that. They're right. You can't feed your family on that. Nobody expects you to feed your family on that. You're expected to have your family when, you know, uh, when you're an adult. Now, look, if you're saying... My my sixteen year old has a family. Okay, that's a problem. Well, there's that's some of there is some of that there is some of that going on. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately, uh, entirely different problem. Well, you never want to let economics, real economics, get get in the way of a political argument, do you? Uh, I would hate. No, that never happens. No, you don't. You don't want. The, you don't want that happening at all. I mean, it, hey, it, hey, we got to shift gears here, though. This is this is a really important day. You know what today? Yes, is, it is. Though. Ash Wednesday. No, that that's secondary. Oh, it's Valentine's Day. That's secondary. Well, what else is it? Pitchers and catchers. Oh report. yeah, that's right. That's right. So the Archdiocese of Chicago said, no, "Still no meat on Valentine's Day. Go out and buy your girlfriend fish." <laughs> There's some really crude jokes I could make there. Well, yeah, yeah, you know they made they probably went out and bought stocking fish companies yesterday. You know, whatever. Um, <laughs> So you know, I I tell you what, I was I watched some of the Super Bowl. I was uh, stopped at my brother's. I stopped downstairs and picked these guys up to get them home because it was all you could drink. Um, so every single play, somebody around me was was anti the coach's call. Is, is it, are we are we into like the contrary world? I mean, it's fun on radio to joust back and forth with you guys about I mean real topics where where the intent is to drag knowledge out of the other person. At least that's my intent. I, uh, I I don't. Every single play, one one of the guys. Finally, of course, you know it's hard for me to stay shut up. Anyway, one of my buddies, they 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 got like fourth and two, and they're on the other team. They're on they're on their own like twenty. Oh God, you got to go for this. I said, Did you, is, is that does that drink have a moron pill in it? What, what is the matter with you? I mean, I you know. The, uh, they, then the stat guys, I, uh, did you hear the comment by Shanahan, the coach? Absolutely incredible. I mean, I thought, boy, I thought he said but, uh, it. What, what do you have to say? They, um, so something about uh, the stats say uh, you should always go on fourth and two, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but yeah, that's the one where he says, yeah, but if my right guard can't block their three technique, <laughs> the stats are, <laughs> are, are worthless. <laughs> it's like, who are the X's and who are the O's, right? I mean, I, I think. Well, it, and, and that is, and that's. See, th- this is this is the stats abuse that I, I don't know to what extent coaches do a deeper dive into it or don't. But this, I mean, this is a good lesson, you know, for business in general. Um, because what the stats say is, you know, you've heard me say, oh, a time or two or 674 times that all the stats really do is lead you to the next question. Um, so in, in this case, you know, when you're talking about whether to go for it on fourth down, is that 
is that a stat-based decision based on all you know all of the fourth down attempts in the NFL, or is it a stat-based decision based on fourth down attempts against the Chiefs defense or against the Bears defense or against the Saints defense? Because that's what really matters is how good are you in short yardage against that particular team? Um, and sometimes I, I wouldn't be surprised if coaches really are that granular. I know they are in baseball, so I don't know why they wouldn't be in football um, uh, when, when they get into things like that. But, uh, but I am pretty sure that, for instance, the Detroit coach does not because he goes every time. Uh, it doesn't matter who the other team is. So either he, either he has found out that that stat is overwhelmingly in favor of going on fourth down against everybody or he is just in, indiscriminately using macro stats when uh, when the micro is what's uh, what's more important. Well, the uh, the the other one was um, I think it might have been Tony Romo, where where the Philadelphia uses that everybody shoves everybody thing on fourth and one, and they like make it every time. Uh, yeah, they're tush push. Yeah, and uh, so the guy asked for Tony Romo. He goes, "Why don't all the other teams do it as effectively as, as Philadelphia?" Guess what he says? Go on. No, he said if, if they had if they had Kelsey as their center, they all would. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> because if you don't have him, you know, uh, whatever. Uh, it's uh, yeah, So I'm in, I'm in favor of the stats guiding your decisions, their input into your decisions. Um, but also, you know, what are the stats? You know, there's a lot of people saying, well, Shanahan should ta- uh, shouldn't have taken the ball in overtime. But I, I think in that case, Romo... Who gets panned pretty good, but uh, uh, but in this case, I think he was right. Their defense was just on the field for Kansas City's game-tying drive. Um, you know, does does it make sense to give them a blow? Okay, then I'm going to take the ball. Um, and so, you know, those are factors too, and those those aren't factors that necessarily show up in the stats. Although I am because they're really there's a too small a sample in overtime anyway for you to draw any conclusions, but. Um, you know, this is, you know, people abuse statistics all the time. They don't really, you know, they understand something about data, but they don't really understand uh, use of data. And um, that, that's okay. I am, uh, I'll be rolling out the program in fall that just is all about that. So, what is the, the, uh, the, the great brouhaha now with him electing to take the ball first? And I'm I'm thinking with the new rules. The more I read them, the more I'm sitting there going, "You you definitely want to take the ball first. Well, not necessarily. Um, you know, they they they've had the uh, do you want the ball first or not rule uh, in college for a long time. Different rules, different you know, different rules in how you execute. Um, but in college, you want the ball second because you need you want to know what you have to match if if the decision comes down to that. Well, let's give let's, well, let's give the. Stuff? Let's give a little bit of the history of this, and you can critique me on it. The original story was in overtime, it was sudden death, or if you don't like that, you say sudden victory. And the idea was if you won the toss, all you had to do was advance like 30 yards, somebody kicks a 55-yard field goal, and you win. And then yeah, they said, the other team never gets a chance, never gets to, a chance uh, to win. Uh, so then people said, well, wait a minute, that's kind of unfair. So then they said, well, I'll tell you what, if, if you kick a field goal, then the other guys get the ball to do something. If you go down and score a touchdown, well, then it's yours. So you uh, and and but that's not true in uh, playoffs either. No, no, I'm saying that was that was a second iteration of this. Okay. Yeah. So now the iteration is both teams are going to get the ball no matter what, and then the the third person and the third time it becomes sudden death. Correct. 
right? So if, if you get the ball first, two things are operating here. One is you kind of want to know what you have to do, okay? So San Francisco goes down and gets a field goal. So now Kansas City knows that with a field goal, they tie it, and they give the ball back to San Francisco. Over to a touchdown, they now can win. But if San Francisco would have scored a touchdown, then Kansas City has to score a touchdown, and then they have to give the ball back to Kansas City or San Francisco when you're right back to the rule 10 years ago where all they get to do is kick a 55-yard field goal and they win. I don't see any advantage whatsoever in kicking in that situation. Because you're right... Because if you do the same thing the other team does, then you're back to the huge advantage to the third, to the team with the ball the third time. Yeah, so it it sort of it sort of depends on when you decide to kick. So would you kick if it's if you're in field goal range and it's fourth down and fifteen? Well, absolutely, you have to. You got you got yeah, then, then then you have to take some points and hope your defense yeah. can keep you in the game. Which is what happened. Uh, and and that's really the advantage of going second is you could get into that fourth and fifteen. And uh, and no, you need a touchdown, so you're not you can't settle for one. Whereas if you're, uh, um, it, whereas if it, when San Francisco had that, then you know you can uh, uh, you can kick it, tie, and play on. Well, but if so, you're one of these you know, guys, that's, that, the adva- that's the advantage to getting the ball second is knowing what you need. Well, if um, if you're convinced, as opposed to hoping that what you get is what you need. If you're if you're a Patrick Mahomes, and by the way, I think he's spectacular. If you're a Patrick Mahomes, Jack Sniffer and you know he's going to score a touchdown on it because he always has, then you have to have the ball first. Hope that you score a touchdown, he scores one, then you kick a 55-yard field goal and you win. If you know he's going to score a touchdown, you need the ball first. Okay, yeah, I mean, you can, you can argue it either way. Either but wouldn't not, you? It, you know, where I would go with it is just to say it's not a poor decision, and it's especially not a poor decision if you think you have a chance, because you have stopped him several times throughout the day, yeah. um, if if you think you have a chance to stop him, but your defense needs a little bit of time to regroup, then okay, then take the ball. I, I don't think that's a horrible decision, and you know you, you do get a certain amount of that in the uh, uh, in the sports literature, at least the sports literature that I've seen. Yeah. So, uh, all right, shift gears. What'd you make of the? Uh Employment report yesterday, or the uh, CPI report yesterday, the market's huge sell-off, then come back, and now it's coming back again today. Uh, the bonds were up, bonds were down, and the 10-year rate was up, is up to 4.32. That was like a 3% move in the day. That's a that's a massive move, Kevin. Uh, and, and of course, after the close, everybody from Kramer on down were talking about all the dummies that were selling, and they, you know. Why do people sell when this happens and they know it's always going to keep going back up? Kevin, if this long-term rate goes to 6 or 7%, this market's not going to be here. I'm sorry. I mean, I, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but there's there's legitimate reasons to be concerned at these levels. And I, and I don't know why, you, no matter who you are, you just keep telling people, always hang in there and always... I mean, I've been in this business a long time, and there's been two decades I've been in it, where, and one right before I was in it, where the market didn't go anywhere for 10 years. This idea that if I don't make 2% a month, I'm pissed off at somebody. Someday this will change and at least pause for a while. I'm not saying we're, the market will ever stop. Hopefully, the, mar- the, the country will continue to grow and the market will always be up 20 years from now from where it is now. But that isn't the same as saying, you know, every these guys, I mean, it's, got, it's the expectation now. We can't have a down day. And I, I remember uh, 
So you look at a day like yesterday and you say, okay, go back through history, what does it mean? It could mean nothing. It could be next month the numbers come in the other way or they, they decide they can't be truthful. It, it, it lower the numbers and, and we go right back to everything's okay again. They, they start pouring money in. Maybe they'll do that. Maybe not. I mean, there was a, if you look at, there was a book, The uh, Crash of 29, and evidently in early spring, it was like in March or something, the, the market started to run down like one day or something. Pretty bad, a couple days. So everybody was almost in a panic. And uh, so they, the, the book was something like uh, there was a big you know, pause on the trading floor and nobody knew what to do. And J. Pierpont Morgan himself walked, I don't know if he had a badge, he must, maybe he did, um, walked out on the trading floor and walked over to, I don't know, a couple stocks, I don't remember, and bought like 5,000 shares of each stock. And everybody, yay! And they all went out and started buying the stuff again. Okay, <laughs> then they made it to October and J. Pierpont Morgan didn't show up that time and all of a sudden it went straight down. I mean, you... You have to be careful because you don't. Nobody knows what yesterday means because there's a, there's a massive amount of buy the dippers out there. That if a, you know an asteroid was headed for New York and the market was down one day, people would buy because that's what because that's what you do now. Now are you buying just because it's buy the dip? I think a lot of people are. Now are they buying because a stock that went from you know 200 to 400 and now it's down to 395 is suddenly this rare buy? Maybe could be if it's the right stock but not all of them maybe i mean it's it's really difficult to figure out what a day like yesterday means and the thing that's a little bit confusing when you start seeing the bonds not agreeing with the stocks to me that's always a problem i mean i don't know which one's right but it's a problem i mean it, it's a cause to it's a, a cause to pause at least a little bit and if any if anybody and i've been, I've been you know talking about this now for a few weeks Anybody who is not reviewing their portfolio right now <clears throat> and asking themselves, and one of my biggest clients two weeks ago, when I do some of his money, he's got a bunch of other places. Um, <clears throat> if I gave you the name, you'd know who he was, but I won't give it. Uh, and I said, look, here, here's my advice. If you want me to fly out, um, if I told you the city, you know who he was. Um, if you want me to fly out, I will on a weekend. I said, you know, because his wife does real well as well. I said, I want I want everybody to just take all this all the stuff you have invested that's liquid that you could get out of because some of the stuff the guy has isn't he's in these partnerships with uh, you know mortgages and crap and the interest rates have gone up and it's kind of killed him in that side but he can't get out of them but that's nothing I can do with that that's that's what his agent put him in Kevin let's put it that way uh, I said the other stuff let's just take everything you have and put a piece of paper over it. Said if whatever your number is, a million dollars, ten million dollars, I mean I don't even know what the guy's big number is. Said whatever the number is, let's just let's just make believe it's all cash. What would we do with it today? And let's figure out what we want, what we would like to do, what the portfolio should look like today, given the fact you think the market's a little toppy, but still you want to be in it, blah blah blah. How much do we want in where? Do we want some of it making five percent with treasuries? I'm gonna say probably. You know, maybe 10%, maybe 20 maybe 50 if we're not sure. Do we want uh, some indexes? Do we want individual stocks? Do we want to hedge it? Do we not want to hedge it? Do we want to do some kind of an option play where uh, we you know, we make believe we have the stock by doing some kind of a long call spread and, uh, and yet most of the money is still in the account? Um, what do we want to do? And then figure out <coughs> how to get from point A to point B. That's exactly what 
a trader does every day, Kevin. I mean, when I trade in the OEX bit, it would be really nice if everybody just traded, say, the 75 calls, and the phone rang, and somebody goes, 75 calls, uh, 2 to an eighth, I'll buy 10. The next phone call, 2 to an eighth, sell you 10. That would be terrific, except it never happened. There's a million strikes, you're all over the place, you're buying this one, selling that one, sort of being hedged, sort of this, sort of that. At the end of the day, the next morning, I would never even go, because I traded everything, but I would never even, I wouldn't even go to the trading floor in the morning. I'd look at my position and go, what the hell is that, basically? You have to look at these things as if they're not even yours. There, there's, the stocks don't care about you, you can't care about the stock. You can't care about Bill Gates because Bill Gates doesn't care about you. I'm sorry. So you look at your position and you go, oh, wait a minute, I don't want to be long those and short these. So I would put spreads in with brokers to fix it. I'd buy 50 of those, sell 30 of those. And then when I got it to where it looked halfway decent, I'd go down to the trading floor and wreck it again <laughs> and then do the next thing the next morning. So it's not... You, if, if you have owned, pick a stock, IBM, Delta Airlines, whatever it is for 20 years, you don't know how many loyalty... Do you want? Would you buy it today? If the answer is no, get rid of it. This is not. This is not that difficult, is it? It, it is for a lot of people. Well, it, it doesn't sound like it, but it is. It is hard to let go of, you know, especially if you think it's been a winner and it's been good for you. It, it's. It, it isn't some moral obligation. It's just a, uh, um, uh, oh, I don't know, a belief. <laughs> a well, belief. And there are there are companies that have done very well over a long period of time, and why do you want to dump them? I, I get it, but just just ask yourself the question. That's all I'm, all, I'm, all I'm asking you to do. Yeah, and I think that's fine. Now, you ask about, you know, what do I think about it in terms of the market from uh, yesterday. I don't. Um, not, not my area of expertise. I think it's interesting from a political standpoint, and I, I'm just sort of wondering what's going on. Hal observed this yesterday where he said, you know, he's not surprised at the number, but he is a little bit surprised that uh, that they went forward with the number as such as it was. And you know that the re, the the uh, uh, DOJ you know special counsel report uh, on Biden this week, uh, you know is he getting is he getting the push, is he getting the push to get out of the race, um, and uh, uh, you know is, is that what's happening and is it is it a nudge at this point you know where you know we're going to stop protecting you, um, and uh, and will it turn into a shove? Um, and you know what? What's a shove mean? A shove means that when you start to see the uh, uh, the press that has you know that has uh, actually refused to report on the corruption issues, start reporting on that, then you'll know that they're at the shove point. Um, well, but and uh, how much? You know, because he because he won't take the hint. Now he's not going anywhere in this term. I'm, I I can guarantee you, you have people saying, well, you know, are they going to have to have him step down? And the answer to that, I think, is a is a hard no, because if nothing else, uh, you know, it's, it, it isn't it isn't that VP uh, Harris is would be would or would not be good at the job. That's not the debate. I think there's enough people who can't stand her in that administration that they're not going to uh, tee her up. She's she's the number one problem. I think they have right now. Well, he, she is, yeah. So he's not going anywhere right now. Uh, that would be, you know, to to set her up with incumbency over Jill Biden's dead body. <laughs> you know, that's uh, so. Uh, you know, they they they're still going to have to shove her aside one way or another. Um, but at least if the race gets opened up, 
and she throws her hat in the ring, she's going to have to compete against other people who, and, and, and as we saw when Biden got the nomination uh, four years ago, um, you know, they, they are very good at, you know, setting up the winner on that. You know, they, they just got everybody out of the race for South Carolina um, and uh, because they were afraid Bernie Sanders was going to win. And so they, got, they, they cleared the decks for Biden and made it one-on-one -on -one Biden and Bernie Sanders. And that was an easy call for a lot of people. So that's, that's the way it went. Um, well, Kevin, I, in terms of the statistics of it, and as you know, more than, well, more than pretty much anybody, uh, <clears throat> my career has led, has led me close to these numbers for a long time. And I'm always uh, intrigued by the, by the delay in some of this stuff. Because this isn't the first time around. But now last, I'm going to say that these guys have totally held down the medical part for 20-some years. Now, they're still holding that down by saying it's 6.5% of the basket. And they somehow have contrived the idea that the housing, the individual housing, you know, the rent of your own shelter, that kind of crap, certainly has not bulged in the last four years, either during the Trump administration or this guy's, maybe back like the last five or six years. N none of that has really come through these numbers. Now, my question is to you, who knows more about this right now than me, can you do it forever? I mean, because I go back to uh, Jimmy Carter's last year or two, and actually Reagan's first year or two, which everybody forgets. Uh, the, we had, you know, Nixon with the wage and price controls, which were a disaster. We had Jerry Ford with the buttons, whip inflation now. I don't know what they did, not that much. Uh, then he ended up with Carter, and these numbers, was it because people were all of a sudden pissed off at Carter? Or was it because at some point, even if you're holding them back or if, or if there's a delay to it, maybe it's more of a delay than holding them back, they just start coming through. I mean, one of these days, these guys are going to have to, you know, come clean with the 40% increase in home prices and, and insurance and mortgage rates. And I'm saying they've probably picked up 10 to 12% of that so far, maybe 15. Somewhere, someplace... Even if you're, if, even if you're blatantly screwing around with it, that has to come through sometime. Now, the medical stuff they've managed to put a hold on just by saying it's a small piece of the basket, essentially ignoring it. But the housing stuff, I don't think they can. can somewhere, somewhere, some one of these days on somebody's watch, where it's this guy's or or maybe it's Trump's or wherever the hell the next guy is. I don't think you can do it forever. As long, as long, maybe you can. I don't know. What do you well, think? No, it, um, Tom, it, it's already happening. Uh, and, and, and what I mean by that is, no matter what you tell people about the numbers, you know, so for instance, if you say, well, the rate of inflation is slowed, well, that's not what they're saying. And they're saying inflation is down. And and the public is saying, bullshit. Well, the, <laughs> public, the public is... still can't afford to live. Don't tell me inflation is down. Um, well, the public and, is and saying so price I, I level. they're already seeing it burst out in uh, public perception. And so... You know, sooner or later they're going to have to admit to it. Now, let's just say, based on what we've seen with the uh, um, the agency world uh, last time around, you know, it would not surprise me at all if Trump wins the election and all of a sudden, okay, let's cut, let's true up the numbers. Okay, and, and it's going to look like crap. Um, but that happened in it, it, Reagan's first is, term. He's going to be like everybody else. He's going to have the ability to blame his predecessor. But he, but he, if if it was Reagan's first term for some reason. He got the total break on it, 
and 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 was elected again, and everything did very well in his second term, kind of with him or without him. I think pretty much. Well, he didn't, he didn't get the total break on it, though. I you know I, I, I there there was a, there was a lot of resistance. Now you know a, a lot of it got pinned on Carter. Um, you know, a, a lot of it went like you said. Wage and price controls was one of the worst things that happened because, boy, the, these things don't work themselves out in a couple of years. So you have trends. Now there, you can do right things, you can do wrong things, you can get in the way of it, and 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 you cannot. That's how the numbers work. But um, but you know, nevertheless, uh, you know, so you you can you know, there's there's still good policies and bad policies. And, and I'll take the uh, the Biden administration as an example because I, I I remember saying it at the time, and I also you know I still believe it. The economy was coming back from the uh, COVID overreaction. It, you know it it was it wasn't going to be great. There was definitely going to be inflation because you know a, a an increase, a noticeable increase in inflation, because we couldn't help but have that with all the money that got pumped in there without any productivity to match it. So that was always going to happen. Not, but the point is, you can't go pile on top of it, or you just make it worse. And I, I think that's where you know, uh, that's where you can say, I, I, I thought all the Biden administration really had to do was let it happen. Let it get better, and take credit for it. And pat yourself. But on they the still back. they still have this the, the the nagging question, which by the way is being answered. It was answered by Janet Yellen last week. What you just said earlier, when you start, you know, uh, talking rant, ranting off versus the population versus the the, uh, the the drivel on CNBC and the administration. One is talking about the rate of inflation. The other is talking about the price level that they can't stomach. They're two totally different things. You know that. I yeah, mean, I, I do know that. But even, uh, you, but but again, we go back to the you know what are the numbers telling you? And one of the things is the numbers are you know the, we we get a statistics on on the rate of inflation, but there is no, at least seemingly spoken understanding, that a lot of that is because the denominator is so high. Based on the previous year, right. the denominator is so high. Therefore, the rate's going to be lower. That's how math works. Put, put it put it in English. Between the Trump and Biden screw ups by pouring money into the system. By the way, if you're if you're a person who was on the other end of that large S, it is not a screw up. That's why some people can pay twenty five hundred dollar ticket for the Super Bowl. And the rest of us wouldn't even begin to do it. That that some people got extraordinary amounts of money handed to them. Um, and, and we all know that, but the thing of it is, we have this. Let's let's take a Ford pick me up. The price went from thirty to, well, if you can get, if you can get one stripped down, went from thirty to forty five or fifty. All right. Now the administration is telling you that the that rate of inflation, which was god awful, they're, they're going to say it was twenty percent. It actually was forty. Um, that they're going to. Going forward, they're going to knock the rate of the current truck forty-five grand. It's only going to increase at two percent a year, or like what Paul gets on there, or three or four. We're going to make sure that it doesn't go up like it did the last few years. But now, Janet Yellen absolutely told you last week we are not going to attack the the bulge from thirty to forty-five. 
it's just on you. And oh, by the way, from our statistics, which is total BS, your 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 wages have gone up that much, so you should be even or even ahead. You're not even close to being even or ahead. But but basically, they're telling you, thank you, sir. May have another bend over. In other words, that that thing is never coming back to the twenty percent wage increase that maybe you got, maybe you didn't. It's going to stay at forty, and from there, it's going to go two to four percent from there. Is isn't that really the story? Yeah, I think so. I think that's you know that, that that's that's a good summary of it. Because um, you got you got to take it down to the lesser. Because the more you're talking. Not you and me, but platitudes about the rate and the Fed and this and that. The more you, wait a minute, how much did the Ford cost me four years ago? How much does it cost me now? What's my wage increase? And is it going to keep going up from here? Or are you going to try and bring it back down? Those that really is the question, isn't it? Well, it, it is the question, but I don't think it's the Ford, Tom. Yeah, that's a problem too, especially if your car breaks down and, and you need to replace it. But that's it, it is the everyday living that is really driving people nuts. See, I, I, it, it, it is just the, the, the cost. I mean, you know, you talked about the uh, um, the, the uh, CEO from uh, what was it, the uh, um, uh, White Castle saying, you know, the, the cost of, uh, you know, eating out, the, the, the spread between the cost of eating at home and, and eating out is now so, uh, so big. You know, you're at the point where. Uh, you know, you take two people and go to uh, um, McDonald's, and you're you're driving through, and it's twenty two bucks. Well, you know, that that's not sustainable for people. And you know, where do, where do families like to take the kids? Um, you know, to McDonald's. Now, it, you know, the cost of that and the cost of going any place where you're going to sit down is good lord. Well, even your places that were uh, what's what's the uh, olive. Olive, Olive those Garden, kinds yeah. of places that were are family oriented, even pizza places, those kind of places, they're not, they're not cheap. Yeah, none of it's cheap. It's, you know, and, and so you know, people are cutting back on that, uh, and and that's that's not just saying, okay, I'm going to make smarter decisions about how I spend my money. What that's doing is saying we're changing your lifestyle. But you know, I'm going to push back a little bit, and that. Not that you're not that you're wrong because you're not. It's the day to day stuff. That's why people talk about gas because when you're filling up, you're staring at the price basically, right? Yeah. I I think actually, well, Kevin, not only are you staring at the price, you're staring. You drive by it. Yeah, hundred times a day. Sign. It's on a big sign, and you drive by it every single day. And I but but here's I you know what I used to. I don't know if I'm evolving or getting weird. Uh, I used to think that that was the part that was more important, Kevin. And now I'm now I'm I'm not so sure. Because of, of, I don't know, I got to coin a term here, the, the, the price shock phenomenon. Because people, let's say, you know, I might say people our age, but our parents and stuff, they would, if, in, order, in order for them to buy a car, okay, they'd, they'd get one and it would have a maybe a three-year loan. Well, they'd, they'd keep it for, th- for five years. And the second two years, I, I know my parents would put money in the bank, so when you went and bought the next car, you had, you know, you... You made believe you had the payment because next time maybe you didn't want the payment. And, and people have a certain amount of savings. There's an ex- expectation of how much money you need for, uh, I'll use it, a rainy day fund. And I think right now the rainy day fund shock is way worse than the gasoline and the eggs they talk about on TV. I mean, your furnace goes out and you go, okay, well, that's five grand. No, it's not. It's 12. Or, you know, you need a new roof after five years. Well, the last one was. Ten grand, and now they want twenty-five. I, mean, I think that stuff is becoming more of a problem. Certainly, the, the emergency room visit. 
wait a minute, it used to be a grand, now it's five? I mean, what are we doing? I mean, I, I, I don't have five that I, can, that I can pay for somebody getting a cut on a football field. Um, I mean, I, I honestly think, Kevin, it's reaching a point now where that is causing more of a problem than your stuff you deal with every day where you've already made adjustments to. Now, whether it's more or less, I think, I think B here is becoming as big, if not bigger, a problem than A. I mean, tell me I'm wrong. I mean, I know that you can disagree. No, I, I won't tell you you're wrong because I think you're right on that one. Uh, that, so that that's where people really get their butts kicked. Is it's bad enough trying to na- navigate life right now uh, financially, and now on top of that, uh, I, the the roof is leaking, or uh, the washer and dryer, uh, or the washer broke, or uh, the refrigerator's down. You know, all of those things. All of a sudden, you are looking at you know major cash outlays. And people just can't afford them. I mean, that that's kicking people's asses, and uh, and they have to, uh, you know. Not, so now you got to borrow money to do that. So now you have a new monthly payment, and when you have a new monthly payment, then all the day-to-day stuff is even worse. And it, it's so you know we got a snowball here, and yes, you can't you can't squeeze the uh, the balloon without the air going someplace else. Well, so, I was the house that we were. Uh... We looked at Sunday. I mean, Audrey was just looking at it, and of course there were a million bids on it because it's kind of a fixer-upper. And uh, she looks at the windows. She goes, well, all the windows need to replace. So I've replaced windows in my place over the last few years, you know, a few at a time. And I have a place that where guys will make them by hand. It's it's an ethnic kind of place, and the people are real nice. If you bring them all the measurements, and you go pick it up and all that stuff. The windows are, well, actually, last time, I got a bid. They were 30% higher than the time before. So I'm like, what the hell is this? But by and large, you know, you could do the front three windows for, you know, maybe 1800 bucks. You can pay some guys to put them in. And I'm, I'm counting the windows here, and I'm going, all right, there's looks like there's about 15 windows, uh, you know, or whatever, maybe maybe 12. And I'm like, well, that's 45 grand for windows. I go, 45 grand? <laughs> what are you talking about? She goes, yeah, that's what they, that's, if you get somebody's estimates, that's what they're going to be. And I'm thinking... Wow, I, I would have been. I, you know, I, 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 I just put some in two years ago, and I, I'm not even close to the price, evidently. You know, that that's scary. I would never have guessed. It's it's, it's scary, and you know that's that's where people are living now, and uh, you know. So you know, Carl talks about getting the pitchforks out. I don't know. We you know we may not be that far off of that. <laughs> no, um, I mean the thing is, is uh. I mean, Carl, and we got to go to Russell here in a minute, but um, most people, I was talking, actually, I was mentioning yesterday to my, my brother and a real lot of people that are real intelligent, sound people that you would love to have a beer with, and by the way, you'd love to have them manage your money. Uh, they, they think that it's basically really decent people making policy mistakes, all in good faith. And I'm at the point now where I don't believe that that's necessarily true. And Carl's obviously way beyond me. I mean, and the question is, when when do you take it personally or not? And, and what do you do about it? I mean, I'm surely not going to ever you know, advise any violence or anything like that. But if you reach the point where, you know, I went to a very simple case. I've been wearing contact lenses now since I was 16, right? You always had to buy solution. And... There were a couple of people that had it, and then all of a sudden, this Mr. Boston outfit, you could only get it at your doctor, and it was cheaper, and by the way, it was better. All of a sudden, one day, somebody buys them, and now it's the same price as the other stuff, maybe even a little more. Now, it's $10 twice a year. I'm not going to get a sandwich sign. I'm not going to run up and down the street with a, with a big horn. I'm not going to block traffic. I'm certainly not going to shoot somebody. 
But when does somebody's grabbing that $10 out of my pocket, when does that become personal, Kevin? The answer is probably not never. It's not there yet for me, certainly for my brother. Carl's the point now, they know they're stealing from me and they're laughing at me. You know, and he, he's not all wrong on that. Because I, mean, I think some people, I mean, but what, what are we going to do about it? We can't, we can't lynch everybody. I'm not saying we should lynch anybody, but I'm saying, do we, why do the people we elect all of a sudden turn the other way and, and think fleecing us is, 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 is a national sport? Somehow it is for both sides. And the more, the more argue, people argue and deflect people from looking at stuff like that, the more they steal, in my opinion. Or am I wrong? No, I, I, I'm, I'm with you all the way. And, uh, you know, we, we, you know when, when you start looking at it from a political standpoint, you know, how, how and, and we've talked about this before, so we don't need to take, take a deep dive, but how compromised are all the people who are, uh, you know, who can control the legislation? Uh, and as a result of that, uh, you know, are, are we going to get status quo? And you know we we have seen that we saw that with the negotiations for the uh, uh, the border bill that fa- that yeah. thankfully uh, fell apart um, it, because you know we we like to tout bipartisanship but what we're really saying is you know we, we you know there, there's a whole lot we like about having people in the country illegally and and I will tell you this because I'm I'm teaching a business law class and I have a lot of um, you know like out of 18 students 11 are Hispanic. Um, and uh, and and I don't know. I you know I, I wouldn't be surprised because I've had students before who I know are you know like DACA kids or uh, or, or whatever. But um, but you know most of them are you know legitimate, have the right to work, have all those. So that's not really the issue. But I had uh, Judge Bowers from the um, uh, from the uh, state court system uh, come in and speak to the class, and he was really good. But you know what their questions were about? There was a lot of question about uh, employers mistreating people who are not documented. Oh, without and, a doubt, without a and, doubt. And so, you know, what's what can be done about them? Because uh, you know, because there's enough employers that like working that way because they can say, "No, you're working, and screw you. I'm not paying you any overtime or anything else." And I need you 50, 50, 60 hours this week. What do you think, Kevin? And you don't, and you don't have a choice. What do you think, uh, back so, in the? So, so that's that's what these people are defending. They're, you know, they're defending all the stuff with the cartels controlling the border, oh, and yeah. getting drugs across, and smuggling people across, and putting them into, uh, um, and, you know, an indentured slavery routine until they pay off their debt for getting them into the country and all that. They're supporting that. They're supporting. Uh, you know, abusive labor practices. They're supporting. You know, they they talk a lot about you know wages and minimum wages and 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 unfair disparities in wages. But they are supporting exactly what I just described, where people are just being totally abused from the wage standpoint. Yeah, but I know a guy. Like, yeah, and, and this is this is the you know this is the uniparty doing this. If uh, I know we we got to dash to Russell here, but I know a guy like you who would never have hit an errant golf ball in his life, right? But, oh, good Lord. No, it, it's news when I hit one straight. So uh, once in a while I get the opportunity to play at one of these really swanky golf courses. Virtually, I'm going to say all conservative, a lot of money. Once in a while I'd hit one the, w- the wrong direction, and I'd go there and I'd find like some house on the golf course or some place where maybe 15, 20 people are living. And you know not one of them is a citizen, and those are the guys that are raking the sand traps and doing the stuff every night. 
and I don't know what the payment there was or whatever, but I don't think it any of those people were, were documented at all. And I'm not, you know, I've just, I haven't played one of those courses in forever. Maybe that's all changed, but every 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 place had their their their, their stash of illegals to, to take care of courses, especially the private ones. Oh it's, yeah. Hey, I saw a comment uh, a couple days ago from someone who was uh, saying. Yeah, we've taken in uh, um, some some illegal people because you know that's that's a, a nice kind thing to do, and it's so wonderful having all of the cooking done for me and all yeah, that. Yeah. You're going, yeah, you're paying her for that, right? Well, maybe. <laughs> I don't think so. It's and your live-in help that you are not paying for anything. SP Futures oh. up twenty-eight, and SP Futures up one thirty. Be right back, Kevin. Thank you, uh, the professor Russell. Kevin, talk to you on Friday. Maybe we'll have Mike on with us on Friday. Be right back, Stocks and Jacks. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. There's something happening here. Well, no back stocks and jocks. I'm Tom Allen. We're on the board. SP Futures up 29. NASDAQ Futures up 133. Buy the dip, buy the dip. So the S and P's were down 
think 95 yesterday or something. They closed down 70. So that's a 25-point rally. Now we've got another almost 30. So we're back almost over half of, from the low on yesterday. Meanwhile, the bonds uh, are not going the other way at all. So uh, I don't, uh, it's not like, maybe it's a little bit. The 10-year rate's still up there, but we've got the buy the dippers up there, and there's there's uh, Russell on his machine buying the dip. Buy, buy, buy. I'm not screaming buy the dip. You know that. Um, stick your toe in the water, but don't buy the dip. Well, uh, have you have you ever been so perplexed going back to Friday through yesterday as to you know? I feel like the numbers on Friday were almost exactly the same, or the reaction should have been the same as the numbers yesterday. You know, we had a really hot employment number. Okay, that's probably inflationary, and and the market's not supposed to like inflation. And everybody brushed that one off last Friday, and then boom, we get you know we get a the CPI or what? Last Friday was the CPI revisions, right? I apologize. I think I I yeah. flipped things up with my concussion. Two, two, there. two weeks ago uh, was the uh... no really yeah two two weeks ago was the hot. So let let so. Let me restate it and, and scrub the tape here. Uh, the last eight or nine trading days, have you ever been so perplexed by that? I've been. I've been. Um, well, you you, you have massive amounts of people that this is the market they know. I mean, it, yeah, it it, yeah. it is the absolute mirror image of when I I joined. <laughs> I showed up in the business, and the Dow was yeah. about the Dow was about eight hundred. Interest rates were you know whatever twelve fifteen percent. The, yeah. you, know, you you watch I mean, people look at the tape today and you'll see some stocks starting to go up and all of a sudden people catch wind that it's going up and it just starts flying up and everybody gets out of the way and and it, bye, it's, bye, bye. It, it's like it's it's like you know it's levity or something uh, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, yeah I used to when I first started Russell Manor I'm sure you know it being the professor but unless you actually saw it you never saw things as heavy as the market because I'm gonna get a little technical here um, because if you shorted stock, you actually get paid interest on the short stock if you're a professional. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when the when the when the interest rates were like twelve or fourteen percent, people were making a hundred thousand a month on the short stock interest. Now there were a lot yeah. of da- there were a lot yeah, of dangers yeah. there because you were actually paying for a reversal, which was a problem because if you got to sign out early, uh, oops. But again, that's way too technical to even go into for most people. But the, uh, the, the you watch say you'd watch IBM trade. And, and whatever it was, well, actually before it split, so it was higher. But say it was like two hundred. I'll just pick a number. You can't short a stack in those days. You couldn't short a stack if you initiated the down tick. You had to wait for an uptick. Yeah. So the the stack would be uh, one ninety nine and seven eighths bid at two hundred, and the, the the offer would be huge. And all of a sudden you'd see thousand uh, shares trade at two hundred, five thousand trade at two hundred, which is a lot of money in those days. Another thousand, yeah. another two thousand. All of a sudden, you'd see a hundred trade at ninety nine and seven eighths, two hundred at ninety nine and three quarters, <laughs> and a hundred at one ninety nine and five eighths. And you're sitting there going, "Wait a minute!" There were there was like forty thousand to buy, and it didn't budge anything. There were eight hundred to sell, and it's and down three. Sudden, yeah. It's down three eighths, and then all of a sudden, the offer would just move down because everybody wanted to get their short stock off. I mean, talk about heavy. It was like there was a lid on the market, literally a lid. It was like, oh, you were no, you were. Star- I mean, I used to have to try to execute those trades, uh, and and it was uh, it, it it was very frustrating because you had to keep waiting for. Yeah, you kept following things down for an uptick. 
And I think I actually think getting rid of the uptick rule definitely made the market a lot more efficient. Is as counterintuitive as that sounds. Um, you know, if you, now that you don't have to wait for the for an uptick to sell short, I think it actually makes the market a, a little bit more smooth. Well, but it also, I mean, you know, it could. Well, now I don't know. I, with all the different exchanges, I don't even see how you can enforce it anymore. That's probably why it went the way the dodo bird, because you couldn't. How you know? How you gonna enforce it? Yeah. I, it, it darn it. Well, and uh, how you gonna define it? Yeah, how you gonna define it? But you know, or is it is it an uptick on the consolidated tape, or is it you know is it an uptick you know on the primary exchange at the Nasdaq or the NYSE? But it, somebody, really, if, most know. most of the world would say, you don't want people just being able to sell short and pile on their market. I mean. A lot of people oh, would see, say no, that. I disagree. I, disagree I, I didn't say I agree with that. I, I, <laughs> I said I said most people say it's not like I'm like a guy on CNBC. I don't I don't agree with that at all. But um, but but I could see where other people would think it's at least seems like some sort of a safety factor on the way down. It it, it isn't. Yeah, well, it you know, isn't. My, my my big punching bag, China. They keep trying to and and I think the best thing for the Chinese stock market is it's closed for the Lunar New Year this week. But they keep, you know, they keep making up new rules to try to, within the market structure, to cut, try and hold the stock market up. And they're off to their worst start in eight years. And they're on, the, they're off to their worst start in eight years after, you know, being down when the rest of the world was up last year. Well, by the you know, way, you, you toy, you toy around with market structure, and it just, I think it, it erodes some confidence in the market. And I would agree. It, it, it never. It never has the intended consequences. Well, right now, the idea of not having an order book and having people mm-hmm. being able to not trade with the offer, to, to trade within the minimum, I think is an absolute yeah. travesty. Yeah. It's an absolute Fair. travesty. So people will never put in a standing order, which is why one of the reasons why you see stocks racing up and down as much as they are, because you know, algos just pull the offers. There's, there's literally nobody there. Especially, yeah. especially when did, you know, I, I, I think that I remember this right when they used to do earnings didn't they used to stop the stock trading like in the, when I first started like in the middle of the morning when everybody was there and they'd stop it for there a were there were a handful of holdouts that would report their earnings during the market uh, when the market opens and I feel like advanced micro devices was the last one that would do that and yes they would halt the stock for the dissemination of news you know, for 15 or 20 minutes or, or whatever. But also, um, you know, back in the day when, you know, when trading after 3 o'clock Chicago time wasn't really that much of a thing in the stock market, they would uh, they would halt the stock in, on the uh, extended hours trading for a few minutes when earnings came out. Uh, they yeah, they stopped were, doing that, but they, they, they did used to do that. You, know, you and I are of the... Pending, pending news. I think you and I are of the group that says... Markets are the most fair when there's more people involved. So the oh, idea, yeah. the idea that Absolutely. we should be doing this when only some people, all of a sudden, you have to buy a thousand shares of Walmart after the close, and, and there's one or two people around to sell it to you. Good luck with that one. Well, and you know, there there really is there there are almost two different stock markets that run side by side. There's the the retail trading and the institutional trading. And a lot of yeah, a, a, a lot of people when when you know, a big portion of the consulting that I do is with exchanges that are trying to find new ways for people to trade. And one of the one of the things the institutions want is they want retail participation. Well, they, I, they you know they 
they and, and I hate to say it's because they want dumb money, but no, it's because the market's more efficient with more participants. I'm I'm really just restating what you just said in a slightly different way. Um, I did. I talked to some people last night um, that sort uh-huh. of sort of knew your name. Who sort of knew my name? Yeah. Um, one of the guys. One of the guys who used to work on the floor. Uh, one of the DPMs, and uh, and now okay. he works. Now he works for the CBO, and he's kind of a big shot in regulation. He had. He had his entourage last night, so I was talking to some of these guys, and so this guy Russell, <laughs> Russell, you know, used to be at Option Institute, and he wrote a couple books and blah blah blah. And he's on my show, and they, oh yeah, we've heard of that guy, that old, that old guy. <laughs> no, they didn't Uh-oh. say that. They didn't say that, but they, they, the young guys at least knew of you, so that's a uh, knew of me. Yeah, hey, uh, you you delved into the numbers lately. Um, let me mm-hmm. a- let me ask you. Uh, what do you make of the last two months? And again, January is always an adjustment month and stuff on the labor and all that crap. And it's uh-huh. it's always harder. To, what do you make of the fact that, I mean, you just said it 10 minutes ago, that there is the, the hot numbers of the last two months. Yet uh-huh. there's like a 2 million people diversion between the establishment number and the household number. What do you, If you look at the household stuff, you'd swear that the last two months everybody's getting fired. They're, they're not even oh. close. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I think there, you know, there. I, I do think that there's a seasonality that shows up in January that used to be associated with retail that probably needs to be adjusted somewhat. You know, and, and what I mean by that is, you know, when I say associated with retail, it's the, uh, you know, the post-holiday layoffs or, you know, people that were just working for the Christmas season that aren't working anymore and the back to school and everything else. But I think, uh, you know, I think that adjustment probably is masking what's really going on in the world. Yeah, and I mean, first of all, I'm not sure how the the, the household surveys are even taken. Now they're they're taking a lot with these census forms. I think John was John, yeah. John Flanning was talking about them. I mean, they're not they're not into just calling people like they used to. I don't think. Uh, uh-huh. Um But the you know the, the numbers. I don't know if you were on when when Kevin and I were talking. But the stuff through the the CPI now is this just stuff finally percolating to the top that they're so late in, late in uh, coming up with or is this you know I, I think there are parts of it that people absolutely are I'll use the term lying I mean you, you can't say the medical stuff is 6.5% of the basket for 25 yeah. years and we know it's 20% of the economy but but even uh, they've, they, they have dodged around the housing increase for, for several years now but you can't do it forever. Uh-huh. You can't do it forever, I don't think. And it, is somebody that's starting to percolate? I mean, I know they didn't change the medical one. Uh, and plus they went with this bizarre thing, even though it's a very small piece, this bizarre thing that health insurance actually went down 24% last year because now instead of looking at the health insurance numbers, why, why they can't just call any firm on earth like PTI and say, how much are you paying for health insurance for your people the last five years? That would be, to me, would be the most simple <clears throat> Simple call ever made. They're going to some uh, altogether weird thing where they're they're looking at the retained earnings of the health insurance providers, and if the retained earnings are going down, it means they're charging a lot. What, what are they talking about? Who, are you kidding with me? No, yeah, I'm not kidding I mean, with you. Oh, I, oh, you didn't see that? One of the, one of our guys sent it around. I did not see that. They're they're doing they're doing some kind of a survey of retained earnings of like Blue Cross and stuff, and, to, and based uh-huh. on the rise and fall of their retained earnings. They're they're somehow working that into the insurance that you and I pay. 
I mean, what, 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 are, what are they talking about? Uh, that, that, that's somebody that's never been in the business world before uh, determining what those numbers, I mean, that just, that's bordering on ridiculous. But, but how much, how long can you, can you keep, yeah. I mean, I was, I was, you know, yesterday I was pontificating, I'm saying, okay, mm-hmm. there's some stuff that maybe takes a while to work its way through. But you've got how many people working at the Bureau of Labor Statistics? Somebody goes out and he sees the price of rice, literally, because it's in there. Is up, uh, I, is up you, two, know, you, you, you misstated there. You said working at the Bureau of Labor, Labor Statistics. Um, what, well, about empl- what about employed at? Uh, There's two differences. Um, yeah. Like, like, a lack, like a complete lack of effort there. You know what I mean? Um, well, I, I, you know, I can't. Someplace, somewhere, there's there's mm-hmm. somebody whose job is to, to uh, what what I'm saying. Yeah. is uh, trying to be funny is yeah, I, I get it. But I mean, yeah, okay, okay. Right. But I'm saying somewhere, somebody says the price of rice is up two percent from last month. Where's the delay? I mean, I, I don't get the delay part, but it, I, you know, again, I've never mm-hmm. done a survey of that magnitude. When I, when I say. My mother and my aunt, her nine month or ten month younger sister, during World War II were with the Quartermaster Corps. Now, most people maybe don't know what that is, but that's the outfit that eventually supplies all the other people, right? With the Quartermaster Corps. Yeah. So they were at the place yeah. on, on Pershing Road, um, which then became the school board thing. It's this big, huge honking warehouse on Pershing Road in Damon, basically. And uh, so they. My, my aunt was in spaghetti, macaroni, and noodles. So she would procure that uh-huh. stuff That stuff for the meals ready to eat. What, what they used to call them? Uh, K-rations and stuff. And my mom was in uh, terminations and resignations. Oh, that sounds like the job that I would not want. Well, get a load of this. She said uh-huh. you couldn't quit, and they only fired one person the entire time she was there. Because he brought a, because he carried a gun to work, <laughs> so they canned the guy. She goes, I literally did nothing all day. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, the best part. And this is where I, this is where I got my uh, feelings about authority. She goes every Friday, every Friday at lunch, the guys who were like generals and stuff, and the big, the big shots. Because you can, you could be like a captain in a quartermaster corps, uh, or. They'd, they'd go into the corner office and they'd put the Do Not Disturb sign on. And everybody thought, oh man, there's got to be some big ass meeting going on in there. And she goes, they hired this young lady. She goes, she just happened to be blind. <laughs> but all of a sudden she just walks right in the Do Not Disturb sign. And there's a big poker game going. <laughs> so she goes, I lost, I lost all respect for authority when I saw these guys playing poker in there with a big, oh no, we're going in for this big meeting. Make sure you don't bother us <laughs> type of thing. Anyway. That that that's how I those stories. That's how I ended up like I am, Russell. I mean, that's that's how I messed up. Uh-huh. I remember this stuff. I understand. But uh, so I guess my question is: is the numbers are these labor numbers all of a sudden going to match up? I mean, somewhere. Yes. The, the, the difference between <laughs> well, there is a difference between the two surveys, in the yeah. sense that the establishment survey. It, I mean, you have two or three things going. I'm not going to say what they are. If you call uh-huh. all those people, they're going to say. This Russell works for me, so you might get get counted two or three times. Now, in a household survey, yeah. if they called your house or surveyed you, your wife's going to say, "Yeah, Russell's working." 
that's one. So there is yeah. there, there is somewhat of a difference between the two surveys, but we're not talking about a million people in one month could make could all of a sudden, you know, uh, get 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 hired on the one side and fired on the other side. I mean, the numbers would have to be that half the people got a second job, so that's mm-hmm. and the other half got fired and have no job. Oh, and I think there, yeah, I know, and I think there's a lot of folks that have you know that are working. I mean. I work more than one job. Yes, I'm saying. You know? <laughs> so, you know, I'm at the university and I've, I do consulting work. So I think a lot of people are, uh, you know, working multiple jobs. And I, and I don't, you know, I, I don't know if there needs to be some sort of adjustment to start accounting for, you know, people that, you know, for gig type jobs, et cetera. Well, there also because is. Because that, sur- that survey was set up, you know, the, the way that it was set up was set up when you know we would all work at the same place for 40 years. Yep. You know? So well, and you, you also have... Be, yeah, I mean, how you count labor uh, is extremely... It's older than I am. Well, there also is the... There, there's the phenomenon of... Uh, and there's a... You know, there's, there are people that we hire in the government. If... Mm-hmm. I've always been a proponent of... Again, you know, kick me from a distance if I'm wrong. I... I think that when the economy is doing well, it's actually doing quite a bit better than the numbers show. And when it's in some sort of a retraction mode, I think it's in uh, worse numbers. Now, the reason why I say that is if uh, if you and I all of a sudden decide, man, there's a boatload of people needing a house, and there's not very many houses, and we yeah. buy, you know we buy a hunk of land, and all of a sudden we start building, we might have. 15 employees that are full-time, but also they all might know a guy, know a guy, know a guy that helps them out. I mean, we might know the, quote, electrician might be our guy, but when he actually starts yeah. bending pipe in a place, he has two or three brother-in-laws come and help him out for those few days, and it turns out that the guys are working relatively full-time. I'll jump out up just up at this light. But the, uh, you, can't, you can't get to my building. Um, you, you're in an Uber, are you? You're talking to your Uber guy? Yeah, I'm talking to my Uber guy. Okay, but yeah. what I'm saying is now those, those <laughs> I forgot to mute myself on the radio. Sorry. No problem. But those is dudes. Anybody coming up behind me? No. Okay. Keep talking. I'm listening. We could want to. You want us to go to break here and then pick you up inside? No, no, I'm not, now I'm out of the Uber. I'm sorry. I thought I had muted it when I was telling them to, where to drop me off. I apologize. No problem. But I'm so, saying go ahead. those and people. By the way, my, my Uber, my Uber for 20 minutes for seventy dollars today. Why is this? Why? Because it's Valentine's Day. I have no idea, man. But you know, I was going to bring that up in the second half. That you know, the 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 ridiculous amount of money that I just spent uh, going twenty minutes in a movie. This is in Indianapolis. So, yeah, Indianapolis. Jesus. Indiana. Yeah. Sorry about all that. Well, I thought I honestly got thought I was needless to say. I no problem. Well, you okay. weren't like you were swearing at the guy. The uh, I was being nice. I know you were being very <laughs> nice. So, my, I, yeah. I guess the so the point being. Those people, even if we do everything right and, and, and not just pay them cash, if we, we, we put in a 1099, the government's not going to get that 1099 until next January, correct? Yeah. Or if next year we fire all their asses, they're not going to know they're fired until the next year, or the, the, the 1099 will just come in a lot less than the year before. So there, yeah. there is a group that tries to anticipate. They call it, what, a birth, birth and death of, of businesses type of thing? That tries to anticipate yeah. whether or not what this whole bulge of people in and out is doing that and, and I think we have more and more a society that is 
1099s. Clearly in the programming area, those kinds of things. I think oh, our, yeah. I think our girl uh, Angelica, she uh, used to uh-huh. help produce the show, and she went to school for, uh, she knows she how to proofread code or something, Ugh, way above my pay grade. Uh-huh. And she was working up she- at, at Abbott Labs for a long time, and then they all got laid off. And it, I get the feeling that she never was actually working at, quote, Abbott Labs, that she was, some group had a, and I've never had a chance to sit down and talk to her about it, I'm, I'm guessing that some outside firm got paid to do a job or, or do some new coding for some, a part of Abbott Labs, and she was part of that group. And when the job was done, they all got booted, basically, oh. because of the, jo- the job yeah. was done. So I'm going to say that um, last year she would be counted. This year she's not doing that. She's doing something else. Um, I think it's very hard in this day and age to keep track of who's actually, quote, working, because we're not all W-9 employees anymore. No. Um, in fact, you know, it, it's time that you start gathering all your paperwork for... Uh, for uh, um, your taxes, um, I have six 1099s this year from last year. Wow. So technically, I guess I had seven jobs. Yeah. And I, ha- and I have two W-2s. Well, I mean, isn't it... Isn't it uh, but, I don't ever, but I don't ever sleep. Well, we gotta, we gotta, <laughs> well, you can take a quick nap while we go off the break. We haven't done any break yet this morning. SP Futures up 22 and ASA Futures up 103. We come back. Russell's going to give us his prediction here. I think it's pretty hard to predict, but uh, maybe he can do better. We'll be right back, Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. When now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, 
or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, and jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Lone Wolf Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Andrew on the board. SP Futures up 22.50. It's down a little bit from the high. Uh, NASDAQ up 100. Again, that's down a little bit from the high, but still pretty strong compared to yesterday. Yesterday, ugh. This, this was after a comeback on the close. The Dow was down 524. I think it dipped 700 at one point. S&P was down 68, I'm thinking mid-90s, maybe. NASDAQ down 286. That was probably three and a quarter. I don't think that came back as much as the other two. Um, over in Europe, we have the uh, DAX up 60. These guys are catching up yesterday as well. From I mean, coming back a little bit. Uh, FTSE up 69. That's almost a full percent. CAC around up 45.6%. Uh, over in Asia, these guys are still closed with the uh, the Lunar New Year. Uh, let me see if anybody's open. Uh, Nikkei's open. They were down 260. That's 0.7%. Hang Seng, uh, uh, actually, they were open too, up 132.8%. And uh, Shanghai's still uh, still not open. So we got a couple of them were open. Um, uh, again, uh, the bonds yesterday made like a 3% move, which is incredible. 10 years, they actually down one basis point, but still at 430 uh, that's a, that's a, it was like 4.1 you know, yesterday, so uh, yeah, like I said, it's a, it's a big move in the, in the interest rates. If that goes much higher, I don't think the market hangs here, but who the hell knows. A bond up down 2 basis points, 2.36. Japan up 3.75. Oil up 30 cents, 78.17. I'm going to say that it has definitely broken out of that range that I had at high of 75.5. It's 2.5 bucks over that, so it's, a, it's kind of a breakout, I think. Rent up 34 cents, 83.11. Natural gas unchanged, 168. As the warm weather continues, uh, our Bob unchanged at 239. We've got the U.S. dollar um, is still 107 against the euro and uh, 125 against the pound. So actually, it's up a little bit. Uh, the pound is the pound was 127. The euro was 109. Uh, gold uh, down four bucks, 2003. Reeling because of the strength of the dollar. Silver down three cents, 22.12. A copper unchanged 371, and we have Bitcoin up 2,451,789. Not sure why that's going up. Not sure why anybody pays for it, but they do. Regains 1 trillion market cap. Two-year high. We're going to ask Russell about that as well. What do you got for us, Andrew? Traffic Weather Sports. All right. It is uh, 740 here in Chicago on Wednesday, February 14th. Starting off with just a little bit of sports. uh, We have some losses from our favorite teams. Uh, the uh, Suns lost to the Kings over in some basketball, and that game ended at 125. Or no, excuse me, the Suns won over the Kings. That's a good thing. Uh, the game ended 130 to 125. Uh, and over to hockey, we had uh, the usual loss from the Blackhawks. Saturday awful. <laughs> they lost to the Canucks. That game ended 4 to 2. Uh, but moving over to Chicago weather, it is currently 30 degrees right now. We have some sunny skies. Uh, we're going to get some cloudiness throughout the day and hit a high of 44 degrees with a little bit of a touch of rain coming in overnight. Uh, and over in Phoenix, they're currently at 45 degrees. They're uh, going to have a pretty sunny day and a high of 70 degrees. Finally, over to Chicago traffic. 
We thankfully have no major accidents to report. If you're on the inbound, we are expecting some delays uh, around the middle of the Eisenhower, about Central Avenue. Uh, same thing on the Stevenson, also at about Central Avenue. Uh, but other than that, if you're on the outbound, it's looking pretty good today. Maybe a little bit slow on the Eisenhower, also near Central Avenue. But other than that, those average slowdowns, uh, thankfully nothing major to report. So that's all I got. Back to you, Chief. The uh, Russell, did you hear my, my story about J. Pierpoint Morgan? In early 29, running over and the market was in a downtrap, and he went over and personally bought stocks in the New York Stock Exchange. Is that going to be you today? He saved the economy. He saved the market. By he himself. saved everybody by himself. He saved, he saved the world. You know, the only thing I have to say about that guy is I feel really bad they didn't have cosmetic surgery back in the day. Well, you know, for you to do that, <laughs> you, 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 first, first thing you have to do, you got to get an initial in front of your name. I do. And what would yep. you use? I, I almost went with, my middle name is Allen, A-L-L-Y-N. And at one, day, one, at one time I was like, I should be R. Allen, Allen Rhodes. Yeah, that would be okay. Yeah, that would be fine. So I, mean, I, I think I'm, I, I'm beyond, you know, if I do that, then, then you won't go out and people won't know who I am. Well, but what about, you know, I mean, you'd be like T. Boone, you know, you'd be one of those guys. Like you're uh, T. Boone's one of my favorite people in the world. Now, you, uh, since you, you're yeah. settling into Indianapolis, you're kind of in a... Uh, you know, you're in a southern sort of thing. You get those guys, yeah. be, or uh, you can't. Well, just, and I grew up in the. You know, dude, I grew up in Tennessee. I know, so. but I, like Russell's kind of formal. You like if it was me, I'd have to yeah. be Tommy. You know, I don't know if I. Yeah. I don't know if I could go with that. But if I ran for senator, yeah, I'd have to be Tommy. You know, type of thing. Have we ever? Have we ever talked about why I'm Russell and not Russ or Rusty? Um, actually, no. Why are you? Oh, um, Tim McCarver, uh, his nephew, and I grew up together. Russell McCarver. Really? And we, I mean, we were like grade school, you know, sports team. I mean, it just seems like we crossed paths forever. And he was Rusty, and I was Russell. That's how, that was really why I always prefer. I don't shorten my name at all. So, and then there was also a Russ we grew up with, but the famous one is, uh, you know, the McCarver name. Um, yeah, I really, I really liked him. I thought he was terrific. Plus, I, he, he's a he's a super nice guy. Uh, he he uh he he passed right. Um, he okay. he was uh, he was one of the few guys that could catch a knuckleball. Okay, and, and yeah, and I uh, I grew up he the uh, minor league stadium in Memphis, the older one was named after him. So I grew up spending summers at Tim McCarver Stadium. Wow, wow! Summer of my youth. And he had, and he had now, to play in that uh, absurd old uh, stadium in St. Louis that was hotter than the hinges of hell. It still is. Well, the new one is it, <laughs> the new one is. <laughs> Yeah. Remember, I, I, no, I, 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 just St. Louis is just hotter than hell. I took my poor wife to a, a Cardinals game when she was about five months pregnant, and it's amazing she has stuck with me after I did that to her. Kevin is so. Kevin's turned into a wag. J J Tommy Howe. I don't I don't know if I like that at all. <laughs> I think the chief is fine. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, so yeah. when we put all these sort of conflicting numbers together. What does that mean? What do I? What do I tell people? I don't people? know, man. And I usually have a pretty good opinion, but I have been, and I, I've just sort of stuck with what I've been doing. Um, but th this market is the best. But I feel like we should go down. I feel like we should have a twenty percent correction this year, uh, just based on all the you know, based on all the uncertainty, et cetera. But then the other side of it is, well, where the heck? Do you, where, where else do you put your money? Well, but that's. You know that that's usually um, that's usually, and, and I really feel like that's part of what keeps pushing stock prices higher. Is there's just nowhere else to go. 
Well, plus it, it creates its own wealth. Every t- I mean, the more it goes up, mm-hmm. the more you can borrow and buy more. Uh, right? Exactly. Until uh, it starts going down. I just, there, there, there's somewhat of a, I don't I, this is just out of, the, out of the air stuff, just from my experience. I went back and reviewed, I say this almost every day because I think it's important. After the 2000 fiasco, I went back and reviewed, actually I went because our buddy, uh, that, I went to New York with Dr. J, John Nigerian, and uh, you know, we're, we're best friends, right? So, uh, of course, he double books himself some morning. And, uh, hey, can you go cover, cover this, this lecture I'm supposed to give over in Brooklyn regarding repair strategies? And I go, sure, you know, what the hell. I'll take yeah. one for the team. Of course, the thing was at 7 o'clock. So there I am, quarter to six, <laughs> my, you know, my, yeah, my, down on the subway trying, trying to get my way to Brooklyn, right? Which actually was pretty easy. So there I'm early. Uh, so up I go, and the room is, I said, how many people here? Well, first, the guy who's doing the seminar starts talking to these people, and they wouldn't even say hello to him. So after about 10 minutes, he gets totally oh. frustrated, and he goes, they're all yours, and walks out. And I'm just supposed to be a, a bit player. <laughs> like, okay then. So I go, you guys are here, here about repair strategies. Yeah. And I said, what stock? Or one guy goes, Cisco. Well, now the stock had gone from, 65 to like 650 and I'm, and I'm going sorry yeah I know and I, I go uh, well you, you kind of hit me with a tough one <laughs> we might need a we might need a succession sorry, of re- yeah we, we might need a succession of repair strategies to get this one back uh, yeah. for those that don't know if it, a repair strategy normally is and I'm not recommending if a stack you buy a stack at 80 and it goes down to 70 okay and if you can which you know you can look at the market if you can buy one of the 70 calls, sell two of the 80 calls, maybe out six months, nine months, maybe you could do that for even money. If, if, the, well, if the stack, I'm sorry, if it goes from 90 to 70, if you can buy one of the 70, sell two of the 80s, and it goes back to 80, you can essentially get your money back from the 90 because you're going to make 10 back on the stack and make 10 on that spread. But it has to come back. You're not, you're not, you're not doing any kind of risk control here or anything. But it has to come back, you know, which it may not. Yeah. But, but when you're talking about 60 to 6, uh, that's a problem. That doesn't work. So I just – Janet said something about these guys had, had Cisco stocks. So before I left, I did some research on some of these companies. And I, I didn't look at PE because I don't really know what the hell they do. Well, I knew Cisco did routers. I mean, I'm not that naive. But, uh, but in OEX Trader, I didn't really know these companies. So I started doing some research on them. It seemed like them and Oracle – once, once they got past the 10 times sales number, the 10 times revenue, not PE, uh, you know, 10 PE is, you know, low, but, but 10 That's times... reasonable. Yeah, but 10, 10, 10 times, times sales is like a real lot. And, uh, and, I, and it seemed to me like it was almost like a wall. Once they got over that, I'm not saying that's what caused the, the crash, but if they'd have been, you know, trading 25 or 30 bucks, it wouldn't have been that big a deal, you know, but, but they weren't. They were, they were extended yeah. like some of the stuff is now. And now I'm looking at you know your Lulu's, your your uh, your Meta. It was the same thing, Russell. I mean, it, I'm not saying any one of these stocks is a horrible buy. Nvidia, whatever, they could control the whole AI world for the next ten years. But they're at the stage now where they almost all all, and I, I could pick about five or six of them, where they all they they need to double in revenue and in and in profits to justify the current price. And my thought is. Any one or two of them might actually be able to do that, but not all of them. Otherwise, the economy, 
is going to have to double, and that's not going to happen unless we start pouring more money in. Um, so, I mean, that's. Uh, I mean, I, I don't. I don't see how Meta doubles from here. Do you? I mean, I, I mean no, maybe. no. And and you're talking about you know really. I mean, doubling very very large companies. Yeah, we're not talking about. I mean, uh, and it, especially after the move that it already had, it already you know, um, gained an awful lot. Well, if if, if the chief that, chief Jay Russell consortium puts up a very successful hot dog stand, we can double. We can go buy another one. Mm-hmm. I don't know how McDonald's doubles. It doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I don't, you know, I honestly, if, if the way that McDonald's could maybe double is if we, uh, you know, if we find a parallel universe where they don't have McDonald's and they're able to go over there and open them all up very quickly, like like Mars, for instance, if we found a way. Yeah, to... yeah, something like that. Actually, Mars was my first thought, and I was like, that's that's bordering on super silly. Uh, parallel universe would probably be more likely than opening a McDonald's on Mars. Yeah, well, the uh, although, ne- although neither is likely. No. Do you remember the, uh, the the Star Trek episode where they had the parallel universe and they were all bad people? Oh yeah, and, and Spock was a bad guy. Yeah, you know, yeah. I think Spock had a goatee. Yeah, yeah. And remember the the lady who was the uh, Kirk's girlfriend? He said, and she says, "I've I've been a captain's woman before, and I'll be a captain's woman again." Oh yeah, much like uh, you know. And and Talladega, Talladega Nights completely stole that with um, well I'm a NASCAR wife. Yeah, same thing. God. Yeah. All right. So um, <laughs> this this by the dip. It's kind of knee jerk. We're, I, we're back. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say the spoos were down. They were down over ninety yesterday. I'm going to say ninety one, ninety two, and mm-hmm. came back closed, maybe down seventy. So they came back twenty plus. Now we're up another twenty three. So we're down. We're up virtually half from the low yesterday. Uh, does that mean we forget yesterday? Do we look toward next month? Do we? I like the part where people say we have to wait for the PCE. Is there anything more ridiculous in this world than the PCE? It's a number that nobody has any detail with, yet these guys opine nope. with it. They come out and say, oh, the PCE what? was here. And everybody goes, okay, well, they look at the PCE. They make up the PCE. What does that number even do to you? What do you tell your, your kids I, in school about I that number? I, I, I think one time, one guy from the Fed said, I prefer the PCE over the CPI and PPI. And ever since then, the press has said it's the Fed's favorite inflation number. But who even does it? Because I mean, the, the, only, the only place that I've ever heard that is one of the talking heads on CNBC who go, we're the PCE today, which is the Fed's favorite inflation number. I don't know if it's their favorite inflation number or not. Uh, you know, just because they keep telling me on TV it is, I don't know whether I necessarily believe it. And I sure don't see more market volatility around PCE than CPI and PPI. So I don't either. I, you know, the number the numbers don't agree with that statement, um, and I just think it's more of yeah. I, I I guess lectured once at a business journalism class, and in the business journalism class, they would tell the students that you know you say what happened with the market, and then there has to be a reason in the second sentence, even if there's not a good one. And sometimes you're and I, this is what a professor said. Sometimes your reason might be the market is, if not a lot happened, the market is on hold until the next big economic number. And then you look and see what the next big economic number is. So that, that's where I think the, you know, the, the belief of the PCE is supposed to be some sort of um, more important number than PPI and CPI, which it's not. Well, I mean, all, three are, are, all three are equally useless in their own way. Well, yeah, they are. I, but it, whenever you have uh, 
when you look at the market, no, nobody can, I, I don't think anybody can, people say they can, on a day-to-day basis, say which way the market's going. Because I'll tell you what, if it's your living every day like it was mine, I started in a, in a crowd with uh, three pretty crummy stacks. The idea that you could walk in in the morning and say, ah, that one's going up, that one's going down, that one's going to be unchanged. You, you lost, if you ever had that view, you lost it after about a week. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. You know, and uh, so it's, um, I don't, I, I, but the concern I have is when I first started the business, and I was way early, right? Because you had Joe Gransville mm-hmm. sell all stocks, sell all stocks, you know, that kind of crap. Uh, and by the way, the interest rate, I mean, what manner of moron would buy a stock if you could go down to the, the bank and get 12.5%, right? If, if you right. Have, if you'd have walked into a local cocktail party, had your glass of wine with your pinky up in the air, and said, you know what I'm going to do tomorrow? I'm going to go. I'm going to cash in my CD, and I'm going to go find my mutual fund guy, who's probably painting house. <laughs> He's not selling mutual oh, funds. Be nice. Yeah, I'm going yeah. to go find that guy, and I'm going to buy the market. You'd have been laughed out of that party in a nanosecond, and they would have taken your glass of wine from you, thinking you've had too much. Yet, That's right? They called a seventy dollar Uber for you. Yeah. That, that, now that guy would have been. Now same thing with, not so much now because you're getting five and a half percent from the Fed. But a year ago, if you were to say you really should sell your stocks and, oh, by the way, put your money in a bank at zero, you would have the same response as the guy back in those days. Yet, mm-hmm. But it seemed to me when I started, this, the companies that are somehow surviving in this environment, if anything happens positively at all in the interest rates, they're going to have to go up and up a lot. But I was, you know, like I said, yeah. way early. Same thing in 2000. There were companies that were trading... They, you know, they were they were ten times click through for God's sake. Uh, yeah, the the risk was yeah, clearly yeah, yeah. when we when we valued internet companies on views. Yeah, and clicks. But but uh, so the risk to me was to the downside, and right now mm-hmm. I I hope that w- these guys do fire the arrow right down the middle and splits the other arrow in two, and somehow wages kept catch up and the market just kind of pauses for a while and never really goes down because I don't want to deal with that with myself, my yeah. portfolio, or my clients. I mean, rather, I mean, even though I'm somewhat hedged, you never make all in a way down. Uh, I, you know, I, I would love to see that happen, but right now, I think the risk is the other way. I mean, if all of a sudden, you know, we're talking about a, you know, a couple of auctions go bad, or like you're always talking about this China thing somehow percolates someplace, it really starts, to, and, uh, yeah. and all of a sudden, you know, the, the the next auction's not so hot, and two months from now, we're talking, you know, seven percent ten year rate. I don't see how on earth this market is anywhere near at this level. And I sure as hell hope that doesn't happen. But, but I think the risk is that way. Not, not that NVIDIA is going to be 1400 It might be because it's going to be 400 But I could be wrong. They could mm-hmm. be the savior company. Just saying. So that's where I am on this. I, so I've got everybody pretty well hedged. It doesn't mean I wouldn't mm-hmm. put money. I put money to work today, though. I'm probably going to. So it's not like you know, I'm sort of totally in the middle on this, Russell. So straighten me out. Here. I... I was bearish, bearish, and I'm I, I, I'm not going to help you and straighten you out here because I'm um, still t- I still lean a little bearish, but I I it's been difficult to stick with that position for so long. Uh, and when I say so long, I mean it's it's been months now for me that I've been like trading in and out of being short and haven't killed me. But it's because I I feel like just the pain I've gone through is moving me to the middle of the road as opposed to anything else that I'm hearing. Because I'm not hearing anything that makes me very bullish, but you know when you but, but you have to acknowledge what's going on in the stock market as well. And 
you know, when it takes very little for stocks to rally, and then when stocks rally on news that I think should have been negative for the stock market, and I, again, I'm going back to the employment number from a couple of weeks ago, uh, I, I still don't know what the heck happened there. But um, because I really do feel like that, if, if you had given me that number uh, the day before, I would have loaded up short the stock market and gotten killed. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, I, and, and and I haven't had anybody go, oh, you'd have been stupid. No, really. If, if, if I, I can't think of anybody that if I, you know, if I'd said, look, we're going to have a really hot employment number tomorrow, that, you know, and I know it for a fact because, you know, my daughter goes to school in D.C. and she's, and people, I'm making this up. She does go to school in D.C., but she's got a friend of a friend that saw the number and, you know, and that number's got to be hot. Even if I had known that number, if I had known that number, um, I probably would have, Given up half my net worth. Well, yeah. Well, I would have been so certain we were going down. But what, what you're talking about is this: the most difficult times I've had to trade yeah. in my many years has been trying to judge this. Good news is bad news. Bad news is good news. Exactly. Thing. That is exactly. that's impossible yeah. for anybody who's rational to to, to, to deal with. I, but you know, I I'm at the stage now. If somebody and I, you know, I have a couple of people that are thinking of doing this. If somebody walks in with a couple million bucks right now and it's all cash, I would say, you know. Let's dip our toe and be, you know, somewhat hedged. Maybe, maybe depending on the age and the person. I mean, obviously the the, the person's predicament, predicament, station in life dictates the policy. So, I mean, I, I have no problem have, having half of that in a six month T bill at five point four. If all of a sudden something happens tomorrow, we get out of that T bill in a nanosecond. It's totally liquid. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what, what's the if, if we're not sure what's what's the point of not of not waiting three months or six months? I mean. I mean, I mean, if the market were to go down thirty percent or something, or twenty-five, and go, mm-hmm. wait a minute, we, we, let's get in here. I mean, come on, uh, you know, I, we can sell that. But for the first time in many years, you actually can get something for waiting. So, what, why is the why is the pressure to, to chase something at this point? I don't know if there is any. That's a darn good question, and there shouldn't be any. But I. It's been so long. I don't think. I, I honestly don't think a lot of investors consider earning interest an alternative because it hasn't been. So they just don't even think about it. Well, plus five percent a year is not the same as two percent a day. If you got Nvidia, which would you rather have? Exactly. Yeah, and and that's the other thing is when you see, um, you know, stocks go up thirty, forty percent in a day. Well. Why, you know, are are you really going to be happy going to the golf course and bragging on your five percent CD? No. By the way, I was thinking about you the other morning. We have to dash her in a minute. So some uh, uh-huh. lady, some lady walking along with this little Frenchie, and the Frenchie was all fired up. He was ready to take on the world. Of course. Yeah. That's exact. That's the best way to describe a Frenchie. Every morning, they're ready to take on the world. Audrey's little one, Maggie. She's fourteen and a half. A little Maltese. She's probably got three teeth left. We see another dog. Let me let me at him. Let me at him. She absolutely does, she absolutely does not know size. Some big dog came over, tried to say hello to her, put nose down, and she tried to bite it, bite his nose with no with no teeth. I'm like, Maggie, what are you doing? The guy was trying to be nice. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, the the hotel I stay at here in Indi- Indiana, um, they allow dogs. So I'm start, I'm thinking maybe that the Frenchie needs to start coming to school with me. Oh god. Oh god. Russell, take care of yourself as as usual. Good stuff. You betcha. We'll talk. Hey, SP Futures up twenty one. SP Futures up ninety nine. We'll see what happens the rest of the day. Talk about it tomorrow. Uh, stocks and jacks. 
Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.